started with the message. Are we okay up there? Great. All right. Today, the message is on Ecclesiastes chapter 8. How about that? I finally got out of Ecclesiastes 7, and now we're going to continue with Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I probably am. The question is, who is like the wise man? I'm going to say that again. Who is like the wise man? And I'm not going to get away from the greatest wise men or men in all the earth and heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So you can expect along with this message involving Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I know I'm repeating myself. Verses 1 through 8. A giant mixture of the Son of God. Who is like the wise men? Number two, from Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. That's right. I've done a ton of research on who is like the wise man, and I hope that it will gravitate in your direction and you will be able to apply it to your own life. From Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. Solomon, in this chapter comes to recommend wisdom to us as the most powerful antidote against both the temptations and vexations that arise from the vanity of this world. Yes, I'm going to be repeating myself, and I'm not repeating this on slide three, so you can just turn there. <clears throat> Allow me to repeat. Solomon and this chapter comes to recommend wisdom to us as the most powerful antidote. Say antidote. I'm going to be requesting you to speak with me sometime. So don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid of the person next to you. Don't be afraid to say hallelujah. Solomon, this chapter, comes to recommend wisdom to us as the most powerful antidote against both the temptations and vexations that arise from the vanity of this world. Now I'm going to ask you to repeat another verse. Not verse, but word from what I just read. It says, Solomon, in this chapter. Say chapter. Now this just came to me as I was reading over my notes I'm probably getting ahead of myself again, but I'm going to ask you a most solemn question. What chapter are you in your life? Are you saved? Are you unsaved? Are you sure about where you're going to spend eternity? Just where are you in your quest on this earth? You're in some mode, you're in some chapter. I'm hoping today that I can speak to you from the Word of God regarding what chapter you are in, in seeking truth. Can I get an amen? So let's begin with our verse. Verse 1 through 8. Who is like the wise man and who knows the interpretation of a matter? 
and as wisdom illumines him and calls him to stir in faith the beam, I ask, take the command of the king because of the oath before God. Now, don't forget, I'm going to try to explain this. I'm just not going to read, so you can hang on. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what do you think you're doing? I know I paraphrase that. The text Since the word of the king is authoritative or powerful, who will say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble, for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. Number six, or verse six. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. I'm in trouble with these pages again, even though I went over them time and time again. I want to tell you one thing as I go along. I had all kinds of trouble throughout this week and the last week. It seems that every possible difficulty in preparing this sermon was in front of me. And the Lord Jesus allowed me to persevere through all of it to bring to you the word of God. Can I get an amen? Every time you or I try to make steps toward the living Savior, you can be sure you're going to have some trouble. It might go smooth for a while, but there's going to be all kinds of hindrances to get you to come to the point that you know the living Savior. And I'm getting ahead of myself again. Once you become a child of God, don't think that it's all going to be cake and glory because it's not. But you know what? It all points to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'll get to that in a moment. If no one knows what will happen, who can tell him what, when it will happen? Let me read that over again. If no one knows what will happen, who can tell him when it will happen? Number eight, our last verse. No man has authority to restrain the wind with the wind or authority over the day of death. And there is no discharge in the time of war. And evil will not deliver those who practice it. Let me go on. <clears throat> Number seven. Let's start again. Who is like the wise man and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A man's wisdom illumines him and causes his stern face to beam or light. I say, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Number eight. I'm going to answer that question. Who is like the wise man? Not many. 
is the obvious answer to the question, who is like the wise man, indicating that true wisdom is a rare commodity. It's rare. Let's open with some scriptures. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. My son, say my son. I'm going to deviate from the question. I'm going to deviate right now. Say my son again. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Have you been born again? Can I get a witness? My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. I heard somebody say, preacher, so I preach it? For the Lord gives wisdom. That's the topic. Number nine. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then, I like this verse. Now stay with me on number nine. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord, you notice that's in capital letters, that means Yahweh. That means the great I am. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones, or saints. Say godly ones. I'm going to say this again, and I'm not substituting because I know that last verse, and he preserves the way of his saints or godly ones. If you are a child of God, don't you know that God considers you as a saint? There's no higher echelon from lower to higher or high to lower. You indeed are God's child, and you've been robed in his righteousness, and he considers you a saint. Can I get a witness? I know there's a growth. I know that, and we all must grow. But God considers you as one of his children, one of his godly ones, as a saint. Number 10. Let's repeat verses 5 through 8. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. Christian? Lost person? I don't know who you are, so I'm not talking about any particular person. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Why did I stop there? The fear of the Lord will stop many of us from doing the things that come through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It'll stop you. You don't have to have someone around to see you pick up that $100 bill or whatever it is and return it to its owner if it's right there. The fear of the Lord say, you dropped this. Can I get an amen? 
The fear of the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of the of just this. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Let's quote some more scriptures. What does God honor above his own name? I don't know where it's at, but I know it's in Psalms. What, Psalm 138.2. Don't you know that God honors his word above his own name? That's why it's important for you and I to get into the word of God ourselves. You can't depend on Brother Bruce. You can't depend on any preacher. You have to tackle the word of God on your own. Let God, the Holy Spirit, open your eyes. Like the psalmist says, open the eyes that I may see glorious things out of your law. There's nothing like a personal Bible study when God speaks to your heart. And how does he speak? Sometimes he speaks loud. Sometimes he speaks in that still, small voice. And you know he's talking to you. What about the psalmist's recommendation? I have treasured. Say treasured. I know scriptures say in other verses, I have hid. I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word I have hid, as I just said, in mine heart that I might not sin against you. The word I have laid up in my heart, this is from the ASV, that's the American Standard Version, but that, that I might not sin against you. You want to grow? Do you honestly want to grow? Or do you, when, do you, I'm going to say it, and I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. You want to remain a nominal Christian? The word have I laid up in my heart. Lay the word of God up in your heart. Not just in your head, but in your heart. What do I mean by nominal? You're a Christian. Nobody knows it. I don't mean you got to go out and say hallelujah and praise the Lord. They just know the way you walk and the way you talk. And if you're allowed, they see you open up the word of God sometimes. Paul said it this way, I am not ashamed. Say, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm on number 12. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant in, in you. Ah. Once in a while, I gotta slow down. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. Say my knowledge. It's not your knowledge, it's not what you think or what I think, it's what God says. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, they may be ready on your lips so that you tr 
Your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may correctly answer him who sent you? Number 13. I couldn't escape putting this in there. For the word of God is living. Say living. I know the King James says the word of God is quick. And this is from another version. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intents. I know what the King James says, intents. Intentions of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I'm going to say this, and I know I said it before. You might fool me, you might fool the pastor, you might fool a lot of people, but you will not fool God. He knows whether you're a Christian or not. He knows and I'm not picking on anybody. He knows if you're a hypocrite. He knows. Let's move on to number 14. Let's move on to the last part of verse 1. How about that? The word of God is so rich, it would take two hours for one verse. But I'm not going to do that. A person of wisdom makes that person's face to shine. It becomes as evidence to others as if it were written all over the person's face, just as a fool's stupidity is obvious to others. You ever see somebody always beaming? You can tell there's something different about them. You can tell they've had some communion with the almighty Jesus Christ. You can see it on their face. Can I get a witness? I'm not saying there's not times of sorrow because there certainly there certainly is. But that, pe- that person, whoever it may be, they, you, you can see it. It's just in their face. It's in their demeanor. It's in the way they walk. It's in the way they talk. They can go up and down the street and say, Hallelujah. Let me add this, and I'm ahead of myself. Hallelujah. What a Savior. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. I know a lot of broken Christians, and I know why, and I'm not, I'm not going to say, because I'm not in their shoes, but they need somebody to come alongside of them and pick them up. Is it you? Is it me? There's been many times we need help. We need somebody to come alongside of us when we're sad. We need somebody to pray for us. We need somebody to counsel us for the word of God. Have you ever done it? Have you ever been in that situation? Or have you ever helped somebody? Have you ever gotten down on your knees and say, help my brother in Christ. Don't let him down there. Pick him up.
Let's look at some more face-to-face scripture. And before I go on and say face-to-face, I know a person. I'm, all, I'm, I'm going to stick to this, but I know a person who had a face-to-face relationship before the world began. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first among 10,000. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and he's the morning star. He is the great I am. Before you and I even came into existence, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had a face-to-face relationship with his Father. And I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but the Father said in Isaiah, who will go down for us? And the Son said, I will. And he finished it by saying, the Son of Man, say the Son of Man, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost, which was every one of you and me. Why do you say that, Brother Bruce? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes everybody. You're not better because you do good deeds. You're better because Christ saved you. And he robed you in his own righteousness. I know I'm a little off point. Let's look at some face-to-face beaming scripture. And Stephen, I'm on number 15, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen, what's your name? I don't know. Is that power reserved for Stephen? No, that power is for you and for me. Full of power. Did great wonders and miracles. How did he do them? Through Jesus Christ. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, that is Stephen, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. A sunny countenance, the reflection of a tranquil conscience and serene mind, Communion with God. Say communion with God. I'm going to ask you again. Don't you depend on this church to give you communion with God. You can have communion with God every day, all the time. Yes, we should meet in the house of the Lord. Yes, it's incumbent upon us to hear what the person has to say if they're preaching and teaching the word of God. But you can have communion with God outside the church. Let's go to Exodus 34. The right one? I'm going backwards, sorry. Face to shine. And it came to pass, number 16, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hand, Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Say, talk with him. Well, he talked to Moses. He doesn't talk to me. God can talk to you just as well as he talked to Moses. 
He's not finished talking to mankind. He's not finished talking to you personally. And when Moses and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him or nigh him. Say it again, brother. Shekinah glory. Keep missing the pages here. Okay, I got it. I got a different method of turning these pages. It doesn't seem to be doing me any good. Number 17. The next verse just confirms what I said. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah, I I use a colloquial term. Mirror, mirror on the wall. But we all, say we all. That includes more than Moses. It says we all. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as it is, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are transformed, say transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. I've got another King James. This is the King James Version. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You want to be changed? Come to the Lord. That's how you get changed. Oh, I can do it on my own. I don't know how many times we fail. Notice I said we fail. How many times we fail when we feel we can do things on our own? Can I get a witness? We need the Spirit of the Lord. Who's the Spirit of the Lord? The Holy Spirit. Well, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop being an alcoholic. I'm going to stop a a nasty habit. I'm going to stop using profanity. I'm going to stop this or that that's pulling me down. Very few people that I know, I'm speaking personally, can do that. We as Christians are bound to call upon God to help us to remove some things that we know that should not be in our lives. Let me read it over again in relationship to what I just said. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Number 18, being transformed is a progressive experience experienced by believers in God. I like this. I almost missed it. I don't know how I could. Being transformed. Say being transformed. Don't you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's a progressive thing. There's very few people can do something instantly. Very few. Experienced by believers in the God-man. Say the God-man. I'm going to say this again. I don't care if you like it or you don't like it. That's right. I'm getting bold enough to say that. You can either like it or you don't like it. I don't care. 
Jesus Christ is 100% God and he's 100% man. That's who he is. And when I looked at that sign, I almost broke out crying. He said, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, it is finished. He paid the price. If you think you can add anything, you are greatly mistaken. Paid the price for what? He fully paid the price for your sin and mine. He paid it in the in and I got a I got an old lexicon, an old I don't know what you call it, a, a, an old expository. The word paid in full is the word tetelestai. And they used to use it back in their day, and they stamped it, paid in full. That's what Jesus did. He paid it in full. Being transformed is a progressive experience, experienced by believers in the God-man Jesus Christ. That's what's wrong with some of you and me. That's what I can include myself. Oh, he's a good teacher. He's a great example. He's the highest form of man. He's more than that. He's the eternal son of God. In John 3.16, I'm sorry, John 3.7, Jesus, the Messiah, put it this way. I'm talking about the word transform. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must, I know I said this before in other sermons, you must be born again. It's not, it's not either or. I don't know who I'm talking to. You must be born again. There's no, there's no well, I can do it on my own, or I'm going to stop this or not. You can do all those things. But the central thing is, you must be born again. And if you want to catch the context, just read John chapter 3, where a very religious man named Nicodemus, highly respected in his community, thinking he was keeping all the commandments, and Jesus said to him, you must be born again. Let me ask you this morning, have you been born again by the Spirit of God? And let me put it this way, and I don't care who I'm talking to, because a lady this morning said, she said to me, Brother Bruce, have I come down on you too hard? I said, I'm glad you came down to me pretty hard. I need to be told. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not born again, you're still dead in trespasses and sins. That's hard medicine, but it needs to be said. Number 19, keep the commandment of the king because of an oath before God. I was wondering what that meant. I hope the next few, I can explain that. I already know what it means, but it was very difficult for me to, to understand what was meant by that. I'm having trouble with the pages again. There's one thing that I don't have trouble with. I know Jesus is Lord. I know he's Savior. I know he saved me for eternity. He's the great I am. That's who he is. And I know this for you and me. 
These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. Brother Bruce, you think you're so privileged. I didn't say that. I said, these things I have written unto you. That's you, you, and everybody. These things I have written that you may know. Don't you let any false prophet tell you that you got to do this and do that before you get saved. You're saved by the grace of God, and you can know where you're going to spend eternity. These things I have written unto you. What's that? It's written in the Word that you may know. There were people called, I might as well give you a little background. There were people called the Gnostics. They thought they could gain eternal life by just reading. Reading the scripture, whatever they were doing. They were called Gnostics. The word Gnostics means no. But John wrote to the Christians. He said, these things I'm writing to you that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm going to say it again. Don't you let any false prophet tell you that you can't, you can't know if you have eternal life until you're dead because when you die, it's too late. There is a point another man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. But, say but, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, your judgment's already passed. Why is that, Brother Bruce? Because the Son of God paid it in full. And he took your judgment and my judgment on himself. The ESV study Bible informs us that the word keep the king's command literally means keep the mouth of the king. I didn't know that before. I had to research that over and over and over again. Let me go on. The ESV study Bible tells us that the word keep in this instance indicates not so much obeying, although we should, I'll get to that later, as protecting, guarding, keeping watch over, and refers the reader to Proverbs 21, 23, and Micah 5, 7 as instances of guarding, keeping watch over, the ESV goes on to say, the preacher is reminding the king's counselor that he is obligated to help restrain the king from making foolish decisions on account of his oath to God. Let me, let me, let me paraphrase that in another way. And I want you to raise your hand. I, that's all I want you to do. How many of us, I want you to raise, have made some foolish decisions? Raise your hand. I know I have. I made some very foolish decisions. So let me put this in context. The preacher, <coughs> I beg your pardon, is reminding the king's counselor that he is obligated to help restrain the king from making foolish decisions on account of his oath to God. That is, the counselor taking an oath of service to the king in God's behalf. What are you talking about, Brother Bruce? The counselor was to be giving advice to the king. That's what that means. And he made an oath to God to do that. And there's the scriptures there, and I'm not going to read those scriptures because it would take too long. To repeat, I must have had a reason to repeat this. I'm going to read the latter part. No, I'm going to read the former part. The word 
not so much obeying as protecting, guarding, keeping watch over. Let me go to the next one. And I hope you're, I hope you're following along. 22. On the contrary, don't forget, the counselor was giving advice to the king. On the contrary, there isn't anything you and I can remind the king of kings. Say king of kings. I wonder who that is. And the Lord of lords about anything. Why do you say that? Okay, now I want you to get it. I want you to get it straight because I had to think about this. The counselor was giving advice to the king. But there isn't any advice that you can give to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Why do you say that? For he is omniscient. What do you mean by omniscient? He knows it all. And not only so, he is the wonderful counselor, Isaiah 9.6. He's the mighty God. He's the eternal father. I want you to get this straight. It is not calling Jesus the father. It is calling him the father of eternity. Who is Jesus? Who is the son of God? He's the great I am. I know I said it before. I'm going to keep on saying it. He's before all time. He indeed created the ages according to Hebrews chapter 1. Can I get a witness? I don't know if you know it, but I'm not going to turn to it. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says that he created times, eons. Jesus Christ created ages. If he created ages, he must be before time. He's the prince of peace. Say peace. This is off the cuff. How thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And furthermore, talking about Jesus, we were talking about wisdom in him. Say in him. Not in you. Not in me. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Jesus. That's what this is saying, Colossians chapter 1. In him are hidden all, not some, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm going to put it this way. Jesus Christ knows your every thought, word, and deed. Can I get a witness? Why do I say that? Because he's omniscient. He knew the hearts of all men. And he knows your heart. He knows whether you're saved or not. He knows whether you're being a hypocrite. He knows you're just quoting scriptures, just quote scriptures to impress people. He knows your heart. And I'm going to add this. This is not in the notes. Someday before the judgment seat, he's going to reveal everything about you and me. Unless you repent. You don't hear that word repentance too much. Say repent. What does that mean, Brother Bruce? It means 
turn around morally. And getting back to the words, guard, watch over, are you and I able? Now I'm putting responsibility on you and me. I want you to get this, so I'm going to repeat it again. And getting back to the words, guard, watch over. Are you and I able to guard, watch over, defend the fundamental teachings of the Christian faith? Now, don't forget, the counselor gave advice to the king. But I'm talking about you and me personally. If somebody asks you about the deity of Christ, say deity of Christ. In case you don't know what that means, that means he's God. He's not a God. He's not part of an angel group. He is the eternal son of God. If someone asks you, well, where's that in the Bible? Could you show them? How about the triunity of God? Could you show them? That's right, I'm putting some responsibility on us. How about the resurrection? Could you show them? How about his second coming? I don't care if you like this or not. Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back for his church. How about hell and heaven? The free gift of God's salvation. Could you show them? For by grace, I'm going to say it. And some of you know this is one of my favorite verses. For by grace, are you saved? Through faith, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And for you who haven't been here before, don't get the impression that you can be saved by your so-called good works. You're saved by grace. And then, through God the Holy Spirit, you produce good works. Can I get a witness? The free gift of God's salvation. There's others too. Titus 3.5, which I won't try to quote. How about your Christian growth? I hope I can fix some of you. Some of you are in the same condition that you were four years ago. You haven't grown one bit. Shame on you, because God wants to use you and me in a mighty way. Can I get a witness? Amen. What would you think about a child who just stayed that small? You would want him to grow. And God wants you and I as Christians to keep on growing. Stop being a baby. And I'm talking about myself, too. Number 25, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's Jesus. Is so well pleased beyond measure when we as Christians protect, guard, watch over the God breathe. Say God breathe. Don't you know in the Greek that's what it means? God breathed his word out. He breathed his word out on the prophets. And they spoke, they wrote exactly what he wanted them to say. He breathed on them. It was a supernatural process. I'm going to add something to it. When you get saved, it's a supernatural transaction. I'm going to say this again. I don't know who I'm talking to. You don't get saved because your so-called good works. 
you're saved because God reached down and saw your miserable, that's right, miserable condition, and he saved you. And I say this, and I said it before, he saved from the uttermost to the guttermost. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Say approved to God. How about it, Christians? How about it? Approved to God as a workman. There's some work to do. There's work to do as a Christian. As a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of God, word of truth. I said word of God, word of truth. Here's the King James. Study to show yourself approved. I know it says thyself or show. Unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm going to say, I'm just going to say a few things, and I'm going to move on to number 26. I ask you, could you, def- could you show somebody the triunity of God? You ought to, as a, as, a new, as, as a mature Christian, you ought to. Let me just give you one. Let us, some of you already know what I'm going to say, make man in our image. Could you show anybody? Genesis 126, let us make man in our image. Well, who is he talking to? He's talking to his son. And, I, and, Job, and Job, I forget, it, I think it's number 42, says the Holy Spirit was involved in the creation of man. Study to show yourself approved unto God. I'm going to say this again. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, is so well pleased beyond measure when we as Christians protect, guard, watch over the God-breathed, that is inspired, word of the living God. 26. 2 uh, Timothy 1.13. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Hold fast. Say hold fast. I'm going to be a little bit sarcastic here. I hope you don't get angry with me. Hold fast. Some of you Christians, and I don't know who you are, the word of God is so loose, you never pick it up. Maybe Saturday or Sunday or at some time for you. It's loose. It's not being hold fast. B, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Why do you think we're always putting things in the back of the church? Things about Christ. Things about sound doctrine. Things about Jesus Christ. Things about growing in the Lord. Why are they back there? Do they have to have dust on them before you and I can pick them up? I got a book right here. The pastor said, it would be a shame if you didn't say this this morning. This is about Jesus Christ. This is from, thank you, Song of Songs. He is altogether lovely. Say altogether lovely. 
Now, just talking about Jesus, so give me a chance to get this together. The the Hebrew word, which is often translated desire, pertaining to Christ, means to earnestly desire jealousy, long after that which is most pleasant, graceful, delectable. The word delectable means very tasty and admirable. The original word is both in the abstract and plural number. What What are you talking about? Well, let me just say it. Which says that Christ is the very essence of all delights and pleasures. The very soul and substance of them. All the rivers are gathered into the ocean, which is the meeting place of all the waters in the world. So Christ is that ocean in which all the true delights and pleasures meet. Can I get an amen? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Or I don't care how much I brag about him. I can't over brag about him. He's the eternal son of God. Guess what? Say guess what? I mean, I'm being sarcastic again. This ocean of wisdom and knowledge placed upon himself by his father all your sins. And he would say these memorial words. Father, Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. But he still paid the price for your sins and mine. And I know I'm repeating myself. You might remember it. It's the Greek word tetelestai. Yeah, you just said that about 20 minutes ago. Well, that's okay. It means paid in full. That's what it means. I can't find page 27. It's stuck. The preacher is reminding the king's counselor that he is obligated to help restrain the king from making foolish decisions. I'm going to say something. Don't you know I'm going to change that? Don't you know the Holy Spirit will stop you from saying something sometimes that you shouldn't be saying? Can I get a witness? He'll stop you dead in your tracks. You won't even know why. But if something will come over you, you won't even know why you didn't say that. Because God, the Holy Spirit, stops you. And sometimes the Holy Spirit wants you to speak up. Let's go to chapter 28. Oh, I beg your pardon, folks. Once again, unlike any of us as children of God, the King of Kings is giving you advice. He, Jesus Christ, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, advises us. Let's take a look at some of his awesome statements. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me. Say, come to me. I wonder how many of you have come to Jesus with your problems, with your anxieties, with your financial problems, with your emotional problems, with your physical problems. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Say, learn from me. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to emphasize in this church, we need to learn from the Word of God about who Jesus is. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
the great I am. I know it says I am up there, 29. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. I want you to see something. That word he is in brackets. That's because it's not in the Greek. What am I, what, what's your point, Brother Bruce? Jesus said, I am the great I am. That's what he meant. Who are they lifting up? The eternal Son of God. Brother Bruce, you're always talking about his eternality. Yes, I am, because he's not a created being. He's the eternal Son of God. And he is the great I am. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. I want you to catch this. Son of Man, that means humanity. Then he also calls himself, I am. What's your point, Brother Bruce? I'll say it again in case you didn't get it. He's 100% man, Son of Man, and 100% God, I am. And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. Don't you know that as his human nature, Jesus had to be taught? What's that say for you and me? You, I don't, I'm not, I'm not even going to name this church. I'm, go to any church where you can be taught the word of God. Can I get a witness? That's the only way you can grow. Uh, it's one of the ways. You grow by reading the word, of course, yourself. I'm going to repeat this again. When you lift up the sun, what do you mean by lift up? I can't sing, but I'll just say it this. If I be lifted up from the earth, what's the next part? I will draw all men unto me. I'm going to ask you a metaphorical question. Have you seen in your eyes the Son of Man? The son, the great I am, lifted up on a cross. I want to say this, and I don't usually say this. Don't you know that's a horrible time, that's a horrible death. And when they lowered that cross into the, into the ground, there was probably a giant thud. For whom, there's the question at the bottom, was the Son of Man lifted up? If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Well, we're talking about hearing the voice. How about this? My sheep, say my sheep. I want you, I want, I'm going to read this and I'm going to ask you a question. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. What? A, a mere person can get eternal life? No mere person has any innate ability to give eternal life. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are, say the last word, one. What did he mean by that? 
I'll tell you, I'm not even going to try to get into the Greek. I'm just going to tell you that he didn't mean that he's the father. He meant he and the father have one essence. That's what he meant. And you know how you can tell that? Look at the reaction of those around him. They want to stone him. I'm watching the clock, Pastor. Thank you, brother. Number 32. For sinners only. Brother Bruce, it's a, it's a bad thing to call sinners sinners. Not if you can keep them from going to hell. Well, I don't believe in hell. Well, two and two is four, whether you think it is or not. And hell is not the grave. Hell is being eternally separated from God forever. And who took hell on himself when he's on the cross? I'll just define the words. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? Hell is a place of being forsaken by God forever. Don't you let any false prophet, I don't care who it is, tell you that hell is the grave and when you go to the grave it's over. Do not be hasty to leave him. Do not join in an evil manner for he will do whatever he pleases. The word hasty means rather be not terror-struck so as to go out of his sight. We're talking about the king. Slavishly, terror-struck is characteristic of the sinner's feeling toward God. He vainly tries to flee out of his sight. The psalmist would say, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? God is everywhere. I hope you get it. The Son of God is everywhere at one time in his omniscience and omnipresence and so is the Holy Spirit because this is talking about the Spirit. What about the Spirit? This is the same agent which God gives to renew you and me. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he doesn't, he doesn't do a makeover job in that sense. He does, an, he does an inner job. Can I get a witness? How do you know that, Brother Bruce? We are new creations. New creations. Second Corinthians 5 in Christ Jesus. Brand new. I'm almost done. He will do whatever he pleases. God inflicts what punishment he pleases on persisting sinners. Perhaps this is a warning. Perhaps your heart is so hard you don't care. Job inflicts punishment. Well, God is a good God. He wouldn't do that. I'll put it this way. When his son was on that cross... He punished his sin in your behalf. Can I get a witness? Your sins, my sins, were laid on that son, and he punished his son. 
So if they're not on him and you reject them, they're on you. What a sad thing for you to leave this world and stand into the presence of a thrice, that word thrice means three times, I'm saying it the right way, thrice holy God without Jesus Christ. Job 23, 13, but he is unique and who can turn him and, and what his soul desires that he does. That's talking about God. God does whatever he wants and no one can stop him. Can I get a witness? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. That's his sovereignty. What do you mean by sovereignty? I just said it. He does whatever he wants. I'm so glad I'm done. I'm getting tired up here, brothers. I pray that God the Holy Spirit used his word in a mighty way. Let's give the Lord a hand.